You are listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. All right, this is Chris Webster, and I'm at the Adena and Open Context booth down in the exhibit hall of the Society for American Archaeology Meetings. I'm here with Eric Kanza, Kelsey Nowak Myers, and uh, Josh Wells. And we're going to talk about Dina and open contacts and find out exactly what that is and what they're doing. So, Josh, what is what is Dina and what are you guys doing? Thanks, Chris. Dina is the uh, digital index of North American archaeology, which currently has data for 15 states worth of archaeological sites. We provide uh, we, we provide free open web access to about half a million archaeological site records that are completely searchable and interoperable across our entire geographic expanse from the Mississippi River east to the Atlantic Ocean and about from the Great Lakes down to the Gulf of Mexico. So we've got everything from Iowa to Florida and you draw the square around that. Okay. And, and what now, anybody that heard this probably was just like, wait a minute, what, you've got a million archaeological sites on the internet ready to go? So what, what kind of access do you have for that? <laughs> oh, well, well, first off, we only have half a million archaeological sites. That'd be, but we'll have a million by the end of the year, we hope. We're entering phase two this summer. We can get to that later. Um, the half a million archaeological sites we have available, yes, are completely free and open access. Uh, Most everything we have is Creative Commons zero public domain. And what we've done is we have reached an agreement with state historic preservation offices and similar entities in all the states that work with us. And what we, we provide a, we provide redacted site, uh, site files that have all the cultural and scientific and bibliographic information that's really useful for doing archaeological research where you're contextualizing what people are doing and how it's been studied, but we just don't give site locations. We do have a, a really cool graphic map interface that has a 20-kilometer raster grid uh, so you, you, can never, uh, you can never know where a site is finer than about uh, 400 square kilometers. So if somebody wants to, lo- wants to loot a site, well, take your shovel and good luck because um, you, you've got 400 square kilometers to work through. Um, but, what, but what that does is it allows you to create a heat map of where archaeological resources are that you've searched for you know, like uh, everywhere from the Great Plains to the Gulf of Mexico. Like if you want to see where's everything from the contact period or from or between a couple of calendar dates that you're interested in, you can generate you can find all the sites that fit that uh, that fit those queries. So it's more of a, uh, a large scale analysis uh, tool that somebody could use. It. It is, uh, the data we provide is good for large-scale analyses, but if somebody wanted to do uh, some sort of finer-grained uh, GIS topographic activity, all, if, they are a quali- if they're a qualified professional, they could go to the SHPOs in each state and say, hey, uh, I'm really interested in doing research on these sites, but I need the coordinates so I can make my work, fi- so I can make my work uh, have a finer resolution, and you know, they'll have it for you in however long it takes each one, which is usually pretty quick. Uh, one other thing before we get to Eric, uh, you mentioned that the site records were redacted for location information. Do you also redact, uh, since this is public and open source, do you redact uh, culturally sensitive information? Yes, we do. <laughs> maybe, and how do you determine uh, what's culturally sensitive? Yep. So Dina is both, uh, you know, we, we automate things, but we also put a really fine 
human eye on every single uh, on every single piece of data we put out on the web. When we when we get records from SHPOs or other government agencies, we work with them to identify fields in the data sets that they feel that they already feel are sensitive. So we redact anything that they feel is is NAGPRA sensitive or has uh, you know property ownership information, things like that. Uh, things like that. Whether it could lead to discoverability or ethical concerns, we don't want it. Um, you know, we want things that deal with. Uh, you know, culture, behavior, scientific investigations. But if you, you know, if you want something uh, professionally sensitive, you should have to go to uh, go through the proper channels to get a hold of it. Uh, okay. All right, and now we're going to bring on Eric Kanza, who I think was in the first five guests on the CRM Archaeology podcast like three or four years ago. Um, and what is Open Context? What is Open Context's role in in Dina? Thanks, Chris. Um, Open Context is essentially the digital publishing platform that is publishing Dina. And so um, we're a general, widely applied in the sense that we're used for surveys, excavations, and Dina represents a sort of kind of a, the largest scale data set and data programs that we've got that we're, that we're hosting. And because it's so big and it involves so much complexity requires so much expertise, Dina is really needing to be um, its own sort of uh, entity in terms of we need to be able to refer to it as Dina because it really requires the kinds of expertise and collaboration with many different institutions and with people with the right expertise to be able to handle this kind of material because we can't just do this by ourselves with open context. So what we're providing with open con context is essentially the... Um, the publishing platform, um, some of the uh, general processes that we use for cleaning data and for aligning data with broadly, more broadly used standards, an API so that the data can be accessed and remixed and reused in interesting ways. And um, we link these data out with other repositories, including TDAR, the Digital Archaeological Record maintained by Digital Antiquity, um, and other uh, other collections, so uh, Paleo Indian Database of America, PIDBA, and Andy White's project, which is awesome, the Eastern Woodlands Household Archaeological Database. Um, those link up with Dina also, and um, we, uh, with uh, Open Context, because we're set up for doing that kind of linked data, um, we provide that sort of infrastructure. And um, so it's a it's a it's it's definitely a big collaborative project, and we're a small part of it um, doing that doing those aspects of it. And we're also facilitating library preservation. So we preserve this information with the California Digital Library, which is the University of California Central Digital uh, Preservation Platform. And when you say you have, uh, you know, you, you're linked with other platforms, other um, other data sources. What, what does that mean exactly? Because I mean, when I do a, a search in, in Dina, say, of a, of, a, of a large area, I will not only get the site record information from that state, but I'll also get any other information from linked databases. Is that what that means? Yeah, so what it does, what it means is that um, there, because archaeological information is and will always be scattered in many different institutions, um, we need to have a paradigm that sort of accommodates the fact that we have a really a, a diverse and wide um, network of information providers. And in order to make that work, we link the data that is in DINA, each 
individual record has in, of Dina has its own URI, which is a web identifier that is also an address so that it, know, it tells you how to um, retrieve that information because it's that part of the HTTP that's in the front of a web address. So that tells you how to get it and that it's also an identifier. And we do that, we link those identifiers using some very simple web standards that are associated with linking. So one of the very simple standards is called Dublin Core. And there's a Dublin Core term that is used to describe relationships between information resource. It's called is referenced or is referenced by. So what that, those are the kinds of relations. So we say that this record in DINA is referenced by this other data resource that's on the internet. And that would be, say, PIDBA, the Paleo-Indian Database of America. Or for DINA, we would also say this record has an analogous record in TDAR. So, and then that way we can make an assertion that says that this is also in TDAR. And we even use TDAR's API to show that there might be reports or other documents associated for an archaeological site. And we display that along with the record that's in DINA. And then somebody can follow that link and then go to TDAR and authenticate and download that record if they need to. So it's a, there, there's some simple web standards to do that. And those are all available through querying too. So you could use or you could use the Open Context website and discover those resources in Dina that link out or are referenced by wider network of information providers. So I'm wondering, uh, going back real quick to the site records, um, which which states do you currently have that are accessible by Dina? Uh, let's see. We have <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on. I have to look look at the map. I'll forget them all. Let's see. East of the Mississippi. Yeah, east, well, east of the Mississippi, south of the Great Lakes. We have yeah. Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Missouri, Kentucky, t uh, t uh, Tennessee is soon to be, uh, soon to be up, uh, Ohio, Virginia, Maryland, both Carolinas, Georgia, Florida, Louisiana. I think that got all of it. Maybe. And like I said, we're, open, uh, we're starting up phase two the, uh, this summer uh, where, where we will hopefully... Uh, take on the, the remainder of the 49 continental U.S. states, the lower 48 and Alaska. Um, and that's probably going to be about a two-year process, finishing all, finishing all that up. But we have, you know, the big part of our original project was using the states we have to figure out how one would accomplish even sticking all these things together, which uh, a number of people said couldn't be done in the first place. And other people said, well, why would you do that? Uh, but we've shown that it is both uh, that it is both tractable, and there are a number of people already using Dina uh, to do primary re do primary research uh, on a number of prehistoric topics, on uh, linking uh, uh, linking materials together for uh, public consumption. Uh, there's there was a uh, there was a. Uh, NSF-funded workshop on human responses to climate change in, uh, in Colorado last year, uh, where it pointed they pointed to Dina as an example of a database that could be used to look at uh, long-term human responses to climate change. And we've had uh, we've been approached by people who are interested in using Dina uh, as a resource for other for grant proposals to funding agencies, and they list Dina uh, among the data resources they want to use alongside things like, uh, you know, uh, 
like environmental data from the U.S. Geological Survey or, uh, or, or from the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. DENA is an infra, a free infrastructural resource, and we're, we're uh, here to provide archaeological data. Awesome. So how does somebody access uh, DENA and perform a search? So, um, well, you can Google DINA. Oh. <laughs> there, there you go. And um, it's on, uh, uh, it's on, hosted on Open Context, and um, there's a faceted search, which is a way of exploring information in, um, that gives you sort of feedback about what you're looking at, um, gives you sort of subtotals of different categories about the way the information is, is, display, uh, is categorized. And um, there's also a map-based interface so that you can um, show the entire extent of the DINA collection. You can zoom into specific areas. And there's a little button with a cloud on it that, for downloading data. Um, we also have an API that I mentioned earlier. So if you're a programmer and you want to do something interesting with the data, like play with it in the R statistical programming language or download it for GIS, the, J, the, the DINA data set is rendered in some, a format called GeoJSON, which is sort of like an open source shapefile um, with a lot of other markup in it too for describing semantic relationships. So there's a lot to there that you can use um, if uh, you have the sort of skill sets involved in uh, playing with web data or geospatial data in general. So um, in the future, one of the things we really want to get into too is um, text binding. So um, JSTOR, other document repositories have a lot of reports and then they have a lot of articles written about archaeological sites that are sometimes described in Smithsonian trinomials. And we can use text mining approaches to be able to identify those trinomials and link them to DINA records. And what would be really cool is to have this sort of map-based way of exploring published literature that, 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 that could be available, um, you know, hopefully increasingly open access, but at least would be available in certain, um, to certain uh, people with library access to JSTOR. All right, so Kelsey, how does, um, how does this research, how does DINA help um, with integrating? Uh, you're, a, you're a tribal archaeologist, and, and how does this help your job, and how does this help that in, in general? I was a part of the early uh, stages of DINA, and so I know the, the massive amount of, of work that went into categorizing and, and linking all of the information. And uh, for many tribes, because of removal, there's a large span of, of space that's included in federally recognized ancestral homeland. And so uh, programmatic agreements with different agencies have established that uh, specific states or counties and states are areas that tribes should be consulted on for federal or private projects. Uh, for example, we work with the FCC on the um, telecommunications projects that they oversee. So I work for the Chippewa Cree office at Rocky Boys Reservation in northern Montana, but we have 12 states recognized under the PA with the FCC. So Pennsylvania all the way to Montana, we work on consultation projects. And uh, I work in a TIPO office, a tribal historic preservation office. Those are funded by a federal grant through the Park Service on an annual basis. And every year there are more TIPOs and the number of uh, dollars in the pot does not expand. And so you're looking at an average of 50 
fifty dollars to uh, $55,000 a year per office. Obviously, that's not enough to even provide space and salary for one person to do that work. So with Dina, uh, in part of the Section 106 review process that I'm in charge of, I can go to Dina and I can compare a site location from one of the project um, files that's uploaded to us and I can look at the overall sensitivity of the area without having to contact each SHPO. Uh, if we get 15 to 20 projects a day, you could see how that would be an enormous amount of time to contact each SHPO office and ask for the site files, whereas I already know where my specific project that I need to be concerned with is located. I only need to know what's in that general area to get a better idea of the archaeological landscape. And so while DINA can't be used for compliance purposes, it is a great starting point to get an idea of what I'm looking at in an area as I'm considering a project. And therefore, if I do have a particular site that I'm interested in obtaining more information for compliance purposes, I can contact the SHPO office or work directly with the archaeologist who conducted the CRM report for the area. One final question as they, as they high-five each other. Um, <laughs> One final question. Uh, it made me think when you were mentioning that, and then going back to cultural sensitive, uh, culturally sensitive items earlier. Have you had any pushback from any Native American groups that say we don't even want sites affiliated with our group in the block that you've got at that low resolution? We don't even want that mentioned. And if you did, how do you handle that? So we have within our, our current area of effect have contacted every federally recognized tribal group. Uh, about to let them know about the project, and we have only received positive feedback about it. Um, you know, for this is a public resource, uh, and it, it and it makes it what it's doing is taking archaeological data out of out of a special box where it has been kept for a reason, so that it is because uh, the safety of sites is of utmost is of utmost concern to all of us. But with the way the with the way our uh, we live in an information economy now, we can look at these information in ways that don't jeopardize the sites, and we and what this does is allows any kind of interested party and especially stakeholders from not just Native American but any descendant community um, to look to look at the archaeological information about areas that are of interest to them. Uh, as far as uh, the, the indigenous communities uh, in particular though, uh, we've, started, uh, we've started a relationship with the uh, National Association of Tribal Historic Preservation o Officers, uh, facilitated especially by Kelsey through her good work. Uh, and we're start, and uh, starting this year, we're going to start having workshops at the national NATPO meeting, at the national uh, TIPO meetings, to talk to uh, all, all the uh, tribal historic preservation officers in attendance about ways they might be able to get, uh, use DINA in their work uh, and in their communities for education as well, uh, and to get their feedback about what DINA is doing, how it's structured, uh, and in the long run, hopefully grow. Uh, the, this open source community to include not just archaeologists, but all kinds of, of interested stakeholders. Okay, well, without uh, this expanding into a full podcast, um, <laughs> I think we'll call it right there just to say, uh, go, check out, um, go check out Dina, Google it, D-I-N-A-A, -A, and, uh, and check that out, and then, you know, give them some good feedback and, and Look forward to coming to your state in the next uh, in the next couple of years.
This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.